Welcome to the Rich Roll Podcast, episode 81, with spoken word artist in Q. The Rich Roll Podcast. All right, let's do this, people. Welcome to the show, to the series of uplifting, spirit-elevating conversations known as the RRP. I'm Rich Roll. I'm your host. I'm the guy behind the mic. I'm here to light fires, catalyze change, broaden horizons, and help you blow through the glass ceiling on your innate human potential, not just physically, not just mentally, but emotionally, professionally, creatively, and spiritually. The goal, my goal for you, is simple, to motivate and inspire you to take your life to the next level, to help you discover, unlock, and unleash your best, most authentic self. And in the words of today's guest, help you reimagine your truth. So how do we do this? What's the path? The tip of the spear is to, each week, introduce you guys by way of the lost art of long conversation, in-depth Vulcan mind melds, if you will, to the best, most forward-thinking, paradigm-busting minds when it comes to life transformation, thought and action leaders in health, fitness, wellness, diet, nutrition, creativity, art, entrepreneurship, and above all, and once again, life transformation. You see the recurring theme here, everybody. Uh, Last two weeks, we went really deep into the powerful disease prevention and reversal possibilities presented by the plant-based diet. Wow, that's a lot of P's. That's a lot of alliteration. Well, today we're going to shift gears. We're going to go in a totally different direction, and we're going to trade in all of those P's for A's, for art, authenticity, aspiration, and actualization. Today, uh, we're going to delve into, into, into spirit, really, into the transformative power of unlocking and expressing your authentic self. Today, we reimagine your truth. Today, we meet in Q, who is in Q, rapper, actor, teacher, songwriter, and revered spoken word artist. Wait, what? Poetry? What could this guy possibly have to do with the themes of this show? I can hear your thoughts. I get it. But please reserve your preconceived ideas about what this guy is about or what you think this conversation is going to be. As I always say, ignorance is contempt prior to investigation. And I promise you that after this conversation, after this interview, you will not be asking yourself that question. This is a really special uh conversation uh, that Julie and I had with this remarkable young man and one I'm really excited to share with you guys. So by way of background, I first met in Q, Julie and I first met in Q up at this thing called Summit Series. Uh, How to explain Summit? Well, basically Summit is an organization that began, I think back in like 2008 with a small group of young uh, entrepreneurs very much forward-thinking, paradigm-busting minds with huge dreams to change the world. Uh, And it's led by uh, a very enterprising young man named Elliot Bisnow, who began, Summit Series began uh, with these events. They hosted these annual four-day events for about a thousand people, a thousand of the world's leading entrepreneurs and nonprofit leaders and artists, scientists, athletes, and change makers, really, to the idea is and was and continues to be to drive positive growth and collaboration among uh, these exceptional individuals. And the events 
were extremely successful. And about a year ago, Summit, uh, uh, which has become much more like a community than a producer of events, about a year ago, they took up permanent residence in Eden, Utah, which is a small town uh, about an hour north of Salt Lake City, when they purchased a mountain. That's right. They purchased an entire mountain. It's called Powder Mountain. It's this uh, gem in the Wasatch Range, and it includes like a full functioning ski resort. It's not just any ski resort. Actually, Powder Mountain is the largest ski mountain in the United States, and it was kind of this underappreciated asset that was sitting out there. Um, and uh, they have now made this their permanent home. And the goal uh, is to open this up to uh, individuals to unite thought leaders and innovators of today and tomorrow. So they kind of bring people in and, uh, they're creating this amazing community there. And over time, the idea is that they're going to grow this small community into what they imagine will be an epicenter of culture and innovation. It's really a cool thing. And, uh, Elliot, uh, invited Julie and I up to Powder Mountain this past winter, a couple months ago, uh, for me to speak and, and for us to simply, uh, enjoy the community in the weekend and get to know a little bit more about uh, Summit and kind of what they're doing. And honestly, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I've been familiar with Summit, and I've known uh, the Summit people for a couple of years now. In fact, uh, Julie actually was the first one to meet them. She taught them a yoga class back in 2008 when Summit was just a small group of people uh, with big dreams sharing a house in, in Malibu. Um, they were all cohabitating in this house. And I remember Julie was kind of uh, dispatched by a friend out there like, hey, they, you know, there's this house with this group of people and they want somebody to come and teach them yoga. And Julie's like, well, it's not really what I do. But, he, you know, he, she kind of did it as a favor. And I remember when she came back from this experience and she said, I don't know what these guys are doing or who these guys are, but there's something really special um, about them. And uh, it was not long after that that I became familiar with what their mission is. And it's just interesting that it's kind of come full circle. And, and now we've had an experience to see them grow and kind of experience uh, what they're doing up at Powder Mountain. And when we went up there, we had this incredible weekend. It was an amazing weekend. It was transformative in, in so many ways. And we met so many incredible people. And we left really blown away and, and very inspired by their mission and you know, the takeaway really is that, uh, that anything is possible and to use their tagline, like make no small plans. And, and definitely, uh, that has inspired me to kind of take, you know, what we're doing and, and take it to a higher level. And it was just really, um, it was, uh, it was just a really amazing experience. And so one of the most inspiring people that Julie and I met over the course of these couple days up at this mountain was in queue. And look, I'm not a poetry guy. I'm not a hip hop guy. These are worlds that I know, you know, little to nothing about. Uh, so, you know, on a surface level, InQ is a very unlikely choice for this podcast. But I was so struck by this man. And I knew that the instant that I met him, that I had to have him on the show. And it's not just his skills. I mean, he's a giant ball of talent with total command over his instrument and his art. But it was really his spirit, his energy, and, and um, this positive resonating message that he conveys through his art and his writing and his voice uh, to kind of paint the picture before each dinner. They had these group dinners up at Summit, 
there were you know hundreds of people uh, at these at these dinners. Inky would get up and he would deliver a poem to kind of set the energy for the evening. And these poems were just extraordinary. They were really almost more like prayers than poem, or more inspirational panegyrics than than prayers even. And I simply had never heard anything like it before. It was remarkable completely unique and I was moved you know very moved by the experience of seeing this gentleman perform uh, and then Julie and I had a chance to spend a little time with him and it was very clear uh, that he's a special guy a very special guy and one of those people who's just touched and you feel it you know it the minute that you meet him uh, to kind of give you a little bit of a background and flesh it out a little bit in is a national poetry slam champion who's shared the, scene, the stage, I should say, with artists like De La Soul and Eminem and the Red Hot Chili Peppers and John Legend. And he's even uh, performed on stage with Cirque du Soleil. I believe he's the first poet to ever perform on a Cirque du, Cirque du Soleil stage, so that's pretty cool. He's toured over 70 colleges with his one-man show, and he's also a musician. He's written hit songs for Miley Cyrus and Rock Mafia, and he co-wrote Selena Gomez's hit song, Love You Like a Love Song. So the guy is sort of multifaceted and multi-talented. He's been featured on HBO's Deaf Poetry Jam, Verses in Flow, the Discovery Channel, Disney Channel, ABC, NBC, A&E, Nickelodeon, etc. I'm not going to give away his story. Uh, you'll have to hear it through our conversation. But uh, it is one that you're going to want to hear, that you're going to want to stay tuned for the whole thing. And one that no doubt is going to make a powerful impression on you. Not only will it move and inspire you, it will help you reframe your perception on life. It will help you, in the words of the man himself, reimagine your truth. So let's dig his vibe. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel. But what you wear isn't just clothes. It is, without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you, after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics, and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team. From increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. 
Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. I actually, it's funny, I, I think I looked older when I was 25. Yeah. I was really kind of like an angry right. person mm-hmm. in my 20s. I think it really showed up on my face, you know? Of course now it does. And now you're a love child. I feel That's happy. right. Yeah. I know. You've, I mean, well, you, uh, there's, you embody some beautiful energy. So. I want to get into the spiritual journey from here to there, but I thought you could uh, bless us by opening this up with a little with a little poem maybe to set the stage sure set the energy absolutely i, I didn't know we had started we're on man that's the way <laughs> that's it works a trick. we slide in you yeah. need me to get closer yeah. okay cool <laughs> it's hard for me to say yes it's easier for me to say next year when the weather's fine when i have the money or the time, or the relationship I want, or the career, or the house, or the car, or the watch. Watch life pass me by waiting for an invitation when the world is greater than my nation or my occupation. The only thing I know is that we're all in this together, and the future of this earth depends on how we treat each other. But how we treat each other starts with how we treat ourselves. And how we treat ourselves starts with how we see ourselves. And how we see ourselves starts with context. Nothing can exist without its opposite. Remember this the next time you find you're in an argument and both sides are talking shit and you forget your point except you're angry now and want to win. So you continue yelling till they give it up by giving in so you can stand victorious because you're right on what again? Seriously, what were we we talking about? That's why we send young people to war. Young people tend to die without asking what for. But one man's ceiling is another man's floor. Let's meet up in between, said the ocean to the shore. Hopelessly inquisitive. A mind without a master. I watched the master on a tab of acid, then performed after, and yet my set was an unparalleled disaster because all my poems came out as... (laughs) Do you laugh on impulse or do you choose to laugh? Do you ask because you care or do you merely ask? I ask you this because I care about how humans act. We're animals aware of our future and our past. And this can be an obstacle to traveling our path. Instead of just accepting where we're at, we analyze our tracks for what we could have had. Looking back, focused on the memories instead of on the facts, hence what we attract. But it's hard to factor in how fast it really flashes past. It's an exponential graph from creation into ash. I'm sentimental one minute, then I'm making plans, staking claims, shaking hands, breaking out or breaking in. I have about a billion mimes hidden underneath my skin. 
And they pull my face into this grin or push my wrinkled forehead in. So pour the gin, philosophize, because no one has your awesome eyes. Your view is worth the lows and highs you go through on these coaster rides. Control has got you holding on when letting go could be more fun. Hands up. Put your hands up. <laughs> Wherever you are. Now feel the drop. Eventually, it all has to stop, level out, then come back up until you reach the very top. Because one day, all your wheels fall off, so take advantage of your shocks. Do something you've never done. Do someone you've never done. Go someplace you've never gone. Someplace that could scare you some. Be someone you've never been. You feel all that adrenaline? It's medicine to jumpstart the spark inside your skeleton. See, everywhere you are is where you're supposed to be. So hopefully you're hopelessly as lost as me. Because if you're not, you ought to be. Beautiful, man. <laughs> That's just magic. That's gorgeous. Yeah. Thanks. Lovely. Thank you. I know, I feel like, all right, the podcast That's is over. It. What else we got needs the to, transmission. <laughs> what else needs to be said, right? That's right. It's, uh, it's quite a talent that you mm. have, quite a facility for words and performance. And... Uh, you know, it, it kind of begs the question of the power of words, the power of intention, the power of the performance and, and what that carries in terms of communication as a human, right? Hmm. Yeah, and, and you always blow me away. I've seen you now maybe six times or so. Thanks. And you always take me, you just delight me and surprise me with your mastery over the use of words. And then you take me to a place that I never thought I would touch in this kind of expression. Hmm. And then you go way beyond it. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Um, your, uh, your poetry really generally seems to orbit around a very positive forward thinking message. But I gather in the little bit that I know you that hmm. this was not always the case or the place from from where you were coming from. So I'm interested a little bit in your, in your journey. It's been a long, <laughs> yeah. long one. <laughs> yeah. We might need to start at the beginning. Um, yeah. Well, I'm from LA and uh, I was born and raised in Santa Monica. Mm -hmm. And um, my Which mom- Which street? Uh, Bay Street, Bay Street in Lincoln. Mm. Right across the street from Tommy's Burgers. Okay, right. we know that. It's like Dogtown kind it of. It is, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, was raised by my mom. Uh, she's a school teacher. And, uh, um, you know, uh, my father was not around. And so she raised me by herself. And uh, I think when I was around 13, I got bit by uh, the bug of hip hop and just absolutely fell in love with it. Just the ability to uh, express myself in any way that I wanted to. And I think what first drew me to it was freestyling, mm -hmm. um, which I've kind of recently rediscovered, uh, and the ability to just express yourself for the sake of expressing yourself. Um, you know, I think that's probably why a lot of people uh, meditate is to let go of everything and put themselves in the moment, or maybe that's what you find mm -hmm. when you run, you know, is you just completely get into the zone. Mm -hmm. And for me, when I started, 
it was just an outlet for me to connect words in the moment mm -hmm. and not think about anything else but expression. Right. And I just absolutely fell in love with it. And, um, and so that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be uh, an MC, and I mm -hmm. you know, spent all of my time uh, pursuing that. And I who was, were, you, who I was were your guys? Obsessed. Like, Who were the guys you were listening to and looking up to? I mean, it was a lot of people. There was a, I mean, I was, I was a real hip-hop head. And when I grew up, at the time that I grew up, it was really lucky, and I'm very grateful for it, because there was a sense of ownership that uh, people still had over hip-hop. I mean, it had kind of hit the, the mainstream for sure, but mm -hmm. um, the hip-hop that I was listening to was not about uh, being successful. It was about being great and being innovative mm -hmm. and being unique. And there were so many different styles that uh, were popular uh, amongst uh, the, the hip-hop scene uh, simultaneously. And everybody was really distinct from each other. And there was a sense that, like, if you became really popular for the wrong reasons, you were selling out. Mm -hmm. um, that certainly does not exist anymore. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I kind of watched that transformation as, as a lot of people have. Um, the but I was, yeah, I was listening this, to... The selling out is the win now. You know, the bling bling. It's, it's, uh, it's certainly not looked down upon. Mm -hmm. Um. So, you know, but I was listening to Trap Call Quest and uh, Gangstar and, uh, you know, there was a band in L.A. called Freestyle Fellowship, mm -hmm. uh, Farside, uh, the whole Hieroglyphics crew and, um, you know, Public Enemy and Eric B. and Rakim and mm -hmm. um, J. Rue the Damager and Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> and I mean, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, I, I took shrooms when I was like 16 years old and listen to the Illmatic record, uh -huh. which is uh, Nas. And I, I put my head up to the, to the speakers and I was like just tripping balls, man. And I, I like just remember having this realization that Nas was God and that my whole life would make sense after that. I was mm -hmm. like, oh, I get it. Nas is God, mm -hmm. you know? So that's how much I respected hip hop and the ability to express from it. And uh, I would say that's where my, my first creativity right. and th was started. That, was that, th that was going on like in high school? Yeah. 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 We, we were going like on. Santa Monica High or something? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Yeah. I went to uh, John Adams Middle School oh, you did? Wow. Santa Monica High. Uh -huh. and, uh, and so when do you start kind of performing and taking this to, you know, the outward world? Um, well, I mean, you really couldn't shut me up in high school. Right. All I did uh -huh. was freestyle. I mean, it was probably annoying as shit. Right. And, you know, like, like oh, here he comes up. again. And I'm like, I don't give a damn. I expand my wingspan and I'm about to kill it. Uh, sipping on a Miller's. I don't give it. You know, like, like, it was like that was all. That was just nonstop. I wouldn't even do anything in classes. Other, you know. The, the, hey, man, you got to get your 10,000 hours in. That's it. Mastery, that's right? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was cool, though. It, it was just. Like I said, my opportunity to kind of get myself into the moment in a different way. So I was freestyling with, with all of my friends and, you know, we had different like uh, MCs that were in the school and there were battles. And mm -hmm. um, then I started writing, uh, I think when I was like 14, maybe. And, uh, and then started recording with like random kids who were doing producer stuff on four tracks mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that. And then 
I actually made an album when I was like 16 and 17. It's still probably the best thing that, that I've ever done because hmm. it was just the, um, the purest thing. Really? Yeah. That's how just, you feel today? Yeah, it came wow. from, um, it was just absolute tribute. Isn't that you beautiful? Know? Yeah. When you're that free. Yeah. Well, this idea of freedom, and uh, it, we had um, yesterday on the podcast, uh, I interviewed this guy, Wuda, who's this tea master. We're drinking this his Buddhist tea right monk. now. We're it's drinking his really tea on the podcast. Enjoying right now. <laughs> Shout out to Wuda. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and uh, he, you know, he's dropping mad spiritual truths left and right, both mm. on the podcast and afterwards with all these crazy, uh, you know, sort of Zen tales and stories and everything like that. But we were talking about this idea of freedom in form. And he was using the example of a child that dances, like when a five-year-old kid is dancing mm. and, and a little girl is just free and there's no, it's just impulse and, and natural, um, you know, sort of just letting, letting herself do what she wants to do, right? Totally. And, and comparing that to like a master ballerina, you know, in the, in the Russian ballet or something like that, who's been studying her whole life mm -hmm. um, and her freedom when she dances is she's equally free, but she's doing it within the construct of a form that she has mastered, right? Mm -hmm. Allowing herself to be free within the confines or the rules of that particular discipline. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about that uh, earlier today when I was thinking about you coming over and I was thinking about how spoken word and, and freestyling and, and rap is, is very similar because you have to get into this state of consciousness where the thinking mind has to go away. I mean, when you're channeling and freestyling, That's there's right. no, it's, it's going too fast for, for you to be thinking about what the next word is going to be. You have to be in this state of flow, like where you're tapped in and you're so present in what you're doing to allow that to just work through you, to allow that mastery, that practice that you have worked on over the years to um, manifest itself. Right. So, yeah. In certain respects, that's like a meditation practice to be able to get into that, like in an Eckhart Tolle, like power of now kind of state right. of being, right? So as a youngster, were you aware of that? Or is that just, that's occurring as a result of just your passion for the music? I think it was, uh, it was occurring as a result of my passion for the music, but I also think I was intrinsically aware of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had a lot of uh, emotions. I was a sensitive kid. I was an angry uh, young man and I just I had a lot to get out and I had a lot of thoughts and my mind wouldn't shut off and this is a way for me to uh, you know turn on the faucet and mm -hmm. just kind of let it flow my favorite thing still like and, and like I said I've kind of just rediscovered that aspect of of uh, my creativity is the freestyling but my favorite thing when I freestyle is when I, I surprise myself and I have absolutely no idea what that last mm -hmm. word of the sentence is going to be. And then it just appears. So it's almost like I'm getting out of my own way mm -hmm. right. to, to become a channel for whatever uh, is kind of pouring through me in that mm -hmm. moment. Um, but that's felt. I mean, when you perform, it's felt that you don't know what that that you're just a channel and that you're that you don't even know what the last word is going to be well every, that's been my experience with you. you and yeah. that's that's what's blown my mind like every time you hear it i mean you hear it time and time again from painters or it, whatever their discipline is like oh I, it wasn't me you know i just i showed up for it and it came through me and yeah. that's what it is when you're in that kind of state of presence um but if 
somebody were to ask you, well, all right, so it's kind of like when you're dreaming, you know, obviously mm. you're creating that fantasy, but you don't know what's going to happen next in mm. your dream, even though you're the one who's presenting the narrative, but That's you're not consciously analogy. aware of it. Yeah, totally. But if somebody was to ask you, well, then where is it coming from? If it's not your thinking brain, like where, what, what is the repository of that word that is flowing through you just when you need it? Well, I would start the question by, or start answering the question by saying that I think probably some people misinterpret even the concept of like being a channel. And they almost feel like, well, when you're saying it wasn't me, it was something else, it almost comes off as pretentious to some people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When in reality, it's kind of the utmost of humility. Because, you know, my identity gets in my way right. <laughs> when I'm performing. If I could mm -hmm. completely take it out of the way and have a soul expression for a soul connection every time, uh, that would be my goal. But, you know, sometimes my ego gets in there or my wounds get in there and I'm coming from those two places, which are really the same place. When I'm coming from a channel place, I, I would say that I'm coming from my soul. And when I'm coming from my soul, uh, my experiences matter. You know, mm -hmm. the things that I've gone through, my emotions matter. Uh, but my identity doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, because that's here today, gone tomorrow, you know, and, and as we all are, we're all made out of the same things, you know, uh, we're all literally made out of stardust. And so if I could aspire to do one thing, it would be to, uh, to perform like stardust. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I do not even remotely come close to accomplishing that yet. But I like the idea of the more fun I have when I'm doing it, and the more open I am to it coming through me, the more, you know, uh, maybe it will continue to show up in, mm -hmm. in different ways. Yeah. I mean, I think that it, it, to, to kind of eradicate the ego, when you, when you say like, I'm a channel for it, it is a, it is a statement of humility because you're saying it isn't me. It isn't my ego that produced this it's something it's coming from something outside of that. Um, but I think that when you say, you know, your goal is to if you could just, you know, take your performance out of whatever is informing that in your personality or your pain. I mean, you do a marvelous job of kind of harnessing the truth that comes from that experience, whether it's that pain or, or some aspect of your ego to, you know, convey or communicate some kind of universal uh, truth that we can all tap into and, and relate to. So there's a purpose for the ego, I think, in mm. that expression, if done properly. Yeah, I think that when, when I express the ego through my soul, it's done properly. Uh -huh. When I express my <laughs> ego through my ego, yeah. people miss it. Uh -huh. You know, when I express my pain through my soul, people get it. And when I express my pain through my pain, it's too easily missed, mm -hmm. you know. If I get on stage and I don't have my rage, people aren't going to connect to me. Right. But my soul has rage. It's not just my ego and, and my pain that has rage. My soul does. Like my soul has rage for the mortality of it all, for the injustice of it all. You know, for uh, the the things that I've gone through, the things that I see. You know, mm -hmm. uh, the things I haven't yet gone through. You know, maybe what's happened to me in ways that I can't even <laughs> consciously understand. You right. Know? Right. So when when I show up with that, I think people respond to it. But when I show up from like a place that's like. And I'm not even talking about what I say. I'm just talking about maybe how I say it and, and how I am when I'm saying it. When I show up from that place like of uh, wanting to get something out of the interaction rather than just uh, being present, I always feel like 
I walk off stage feeling like I could have given more or I could have mm -hmm. gone deeper. And in that way, for me, at, at this stage in my career, um, I'm very, very happy when anyone has any response to my work, that uh, whether it's a good or a bad response, you know? Um, but it's, it's more about me and whatever my journey is to get to that place where I can fully show up and fully not show up simultaneously. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, in many ways, the definition of, of an artist is somebody who's able to um, communicate a certain truth about something. And there's a truth that flows through your work, and there's a vulnerability, and there's an authenticity. Uh, and you never hit a false note. It's like when you're on stage or, and you're doing what you're doing, it's very evident and clear to anybody that the reason that the power emanates because whether somebody agrees with what you're saying or not, they know that it's your truth. And so you as an artist, when you sit down to write or channel or whatever it is, there has to be some kind of litmus test as to whether this is resonating as an, as an honest mm. sentiment or sentiment isn't even the right word, but you know, an, an, an honest idea or a false note. Right. So how do you, how do you find that difference? Like, I'm sure when you're like you just said, you're on stage and you know, like, oh, my ego got in the way or something happened and you, you get off stage and you feel like you didn't quite do it right. Like, obviously, you weren't fully tapped into the truth that maybe you aspired to express in that moment. Mm -hmm. So is there like a like, how do you how do you like what's your process for figuring that out for the writing aspect of it? Yeah, for the writing aspect of it. Um, the writing aspect just always starts from, like you said, something that resonates. So like, you know, if, if we spent the whole afternoon together, you know, separate from the podcast, I guarantee something that... Uh, Are you going to write about us? I, yeah. I, would, I would for sure write about we'd, it. We'd I would be write about, so honored for you to write about us. I would be honored be careful. to do the writing, well, you know. No, I, I can trust him. I have um, full trust in this dude. <laughs> so it's just like, I was in a conversation the other day and I was moved by the conversation. I was moved by the energy. And so I said something that was like real in the moment. And I said, I think I said, you know, it's, it's all about you and it's not at all about you. Mm -hmm. And that's life, mm -hmm. you know? And I went, oh, that resonates. Mm -hmm. that, that feels true to me in this moment. And then I write it down and then that will be kind of the start of, mm -hmm. of the next piece. Mm -hmm. And then for me, the train tracks in writing a poem is uh, just about um, letting the poem write itself and just making sure that every line feels authentic. And sometimes I'll write some shit that's dope, but it's not right. right. So I'll be like, nah, dope isn't good enough. It's not about... <laughs> right, it's like the comedy writer who's writing a screenplay who gets overly attached to a joke, but it's not right. moving the story forward. Exactly. Not, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Um, so... Yeah, so that, that's basically, you know, the, the process of, of writing the poems. And then sometimes I'll get to a place where it's not my truth anymore, you know, but I still have to do justice to the truth that was there when I wrote it because it can connect with other people. Right. And, and that, I think, goes back to what we were saying before. If I'm coming from my soul, then I can still tap into all of that and do it in an authentic way that uh, can, be, can be of service, mm -hmm. you know.
So you can kind of tap into the feeling of humanity yeah. or on a larger scale instead of just what's relevant to you exactly. at that moment. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about, you said, you know, my, my ego doesn't matter, but my feelings matter. And my mm. emotions matter. So, you know, you're connecting to all of this from a very feeling tone, you know, like that's really your, that's your compass. Your mm. compass isn't your brain necessarily. I think you're really with your emotions. It's interesting. I'm very with, with both. With both. Okay. Yeah. My, my brain is like, uh, I've, I've had to make friends with it over, over <laughs> the years. I'm, I'm a Gemini, like in every, uh, every like, sense of the word, you know, like you? I just have a bunch of different personalities and they're always kind of having conversations upstairs. But like, you know, I would say to answer maybe your original question, which was partially about the journey, you know, um, I was just expressing all of it through my poetry for a long time. And, uh, and I'm glad that I did. And I'm glad that I have all of that material that I can kind of mine from now mm -hmm. and that I was able to get it out on the page and use that as like a, a, a therapy for, for myself and my life. But then I also got to a point where um, I realized I didn't want to live in that chaotic confusion anymore. And so I started mm -hmm. to build these kind of like foundational beliefs just for my own happiness, mm -hmm. you know. And that kind of helped me quiet my brain or at least uh, frame the thoughts that I have in a very specific way to move me towards uh, creating infinite possibility in, in the future. Mm -hmm. Was there something, was there a series of events or something that happened in your life where you realized, like, I can't continue being this angry guy? Or was it a, just a slow kind of movement towards, you know, trying to find a better way to kind of cope and be happy in the world? Um, well, you know, I, I woke up at a certain age and I was, I was broke, you know, uh, the girl that I was with, you know, had, had left and it wasn't like amic amicable, is that, is that, the, is that the term, you know? So, uh, I had to kind of just look at myself in the mirror maybe and look at not who I thought I was being. But who, or who I wanted to be, but who I actually was showing up as to the people around me. Mm -hmm. And then I think my pendulum probably swung too far to the other side, and then I started like overextending to try <laughs> to be this fucking good guy or some shit. <laughs> and uh, that didn't work either. So, um, you know, now I kind of just try to accept all sides of myself, you know, all the shadow sides, the things that maybe I used to not be proud of or go to when I didn't want to deal with something, you know? Uh, now I just kind of accept them all uh, or do my best to. I do my best to love them mm -hmm. and really, like, embrace them and know that they're a part of me, but not to operate from that place. You to know, take the self-judgment out of it. Yeah. And just understand that you have your, your... We're all imperfect beings. We're all flawed. We all make mistakes. But to be able to accept yourself and love yourself for all of the, the good and the bad. Yeah. And, and to operate from hopefully like a place of love and, and that place of that soul expression, you know, which, like I said, can still express all sorts of mm -hmm. things that it needs to express. I mean, my soul is competitive, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it, it even is, you know, there's a part of my soul that feels like gets that like, ah, 
there's a difference between that and being like, ah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if I was able to articulate what I really meant right now, but I know what I meant. Yeah, I know <laughs> what you mean. I know what you, no, it's, it's, well, I think what, I think what you're getting at is, is the difference between letting that control you and, and just being aware that it exists, but at least having the upper hand with it so that it's not controlling mm. your behavior or your emotions or your decisions. So yeah. would you say that your heart is the master of, of your whole thing, your whole ecosystem? Is it, is it working in conjunction with your mind? Like, or is your mind your master? Is your heart your master or your mind your master? I think my heart and my mind are just getting to know each other. Again. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. good. They're just like, they're, they're becoming friends. All right, cool. And, uh, and I feel, I feel like my soul is, is definitely friends. And I feel like my body's still probably catching up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I probably need to get on your guys' level for a bit and see, see what happens. He's doing the, fine. On the plant power yeah, program. But, yeah, it's true. Um, to bring it back to the narrative, so you have this, this hip-hop dream, right? Yeah. And you start pursuing that. But at, at some point, um, you make a different decision about the dream that you want to pursue. So mm-hmm. what was happening that led to that? Well, the decision kind of made me. I mean, I, I was... I was trying to get signed off of that first record and it wasn't a time where you could put anything out. It wasn't, you know, you literally at that point needed to have uh, the record company be the middle person. Mm-hmm. Um, it was 1996, 95. And which is great for kids. I love that they have this creative control to have a platform to put stuff out. You know, that we could be in your house right now. We're just creating something mm-hmm. and people are going to get a chance to experience it in one way or another. Um, I am just so blessed to be able to like experience that shift Mm -hmm. in popular culture, you know, around the world with the internet. Like I feel that way, you know, Mm -hmm. but at the time I didn't have that and didn't know anybody, didn't know how to get my stuff out there. And, uh, ultimately I was like, you know, rapping and battle rapping and, you know, and I think I, I think I just got bored of like, uh, like trying to figure out different ways to say I was better than other people. And I couldn't, (laughs) I couldn't quite, I couldn't quite figure, I didn't get bored with hip hop. I just got bored with the battle kind of aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't quite figure out how to break myself the way that I wanted to. And I wound up uh, at a place called the Poetry Lounge, uh, which is DA, so it's DA Poetry Lounge Mm -hmm. um, in LA. And it turned out to be the biggest uh, open mic in the country nationally over the past 14 or 15 years. So uh, basically we get 350 people every Tuesday night for that whole period of time. And it became kind of like a, uh, a platform for me to express myself that I really didn't have. And I was going and uh, doing my raps acapella and people were responding to them. Mm-hmm. And I needed to get that out in a different way. and. Um, and so this kind of became my new home and it became my new community. And, uh, over the years was unbelievably inspired by all of these different artists that came through the door. So I was very lucky. Mm-hmm. And how, how long ago was that? Uh, so I started doing that when I was maybe 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's about right. And, uh, and then I just kept going. I just kept going every single week and then deaf poetry jam happened Mm -hmm. on HBO and Mm -hmm. we won the national championships for uh, the slam stuff, uh, I think in 2004. 
And um, I think we all, I can't speak for anybody else, but I'll speak for myself. I think that everyone in that community kind of felt like someone was going to come along and uh, blow it up the way that it deserved to be blown up. Mm -hmm. And yet, uh, for me, I certainly wasn't business-minded at the time. I didn't even know how to network or give a shit. I was still really angry. Mm -hmm. It's funny, my, my deaf poetry performance is hilarious because... I wrote this piece about when hip hop was fun. I still, the whole entire time, just wanted to be a rapper. I was right, making You're still albums. not fully buying into this poetry slam. No. None of it. Is right. this just a vehicle to become a rapper? Totally. Yeah. And I loved all my people there, so it was like this mm -hmm. great uh, place where steel was sharpening steel, but I just wanted to be an MC still mm -hmm. and was making album after album. I made like 10 albums, always right. trying to get out. <laughs> right. You know, and I had pretty much gotten farther and farther away from doing it for the sake of the love i was in a place of needing to be validated needing to be compensated you know and and that came through and it, it didn't really line up mm -hmm. with me mm -hmm. and the products that i was making so it wasn't about my talent at that point it was just about how it was being expressed that really wasn't connecting mm -hmm. and um yeah and, and so i think ultimately i woke up around that same time uh, that I was telling you about earlier, you know, when I, when I took a look mm -hmm. at myself in the mirror and, and I just realized, you know, I, I was more of a poet than I was a, an MC, at least at that point in my life. Mm -hmm. And I uh, wasn't quite going to make it as a rapper the way that I had always imagined. And now how in the world am I going to make any money doing poetry? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, were you, you know, like, like but were you further. like, were you like pissed? Like, oh man, I guess I'm a poet. Like, uh, or were you like, all right, man, I'm going to step into this? No, I was a little were, bitch about little it. <laughs> I, was, I was like, you know, I was like, my dream. Like, like, God uh, damn it. Why does it have to be this? this? Right. You yeah. know that voice? I don't know if you have that. It's that, like, uh -huh. <laughs> that, that voice, you know, it's like, and it just manifested in so many different ways. But uh, ultimately, I'm super, super grateful for where I am right now. Like, I really feel like I can say with 100% certainty that I am completely at peace with my past. I am very excited for my future. And I am very grateful to be sitting with you guys right here, right now. Like, I feel like this is the best moment of my life. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't say that moment, as lip man. service. Exactly. It's the only moment. Exactly. I went to a psychic one time and she... I mean, we can get back to the narrative, but no, I, go my, my mind starts to... <laughs> And she put, uh, speaking of tea, mm -hmm. she, she put a, a, a tea thing in front of me. And this is at the very beginning. You know, she says, do you want tea? I say, yes. And she goes and makes the tea. She puts it in front of me. And she says, you are a spiritual being having a human experience. Mm -hmm. And she says, this is a spiritual being having a tea experience. Mm -hmm. and she said, it's a miracle. And it's here for you. And your problem is you don't look at your life like that. Wow. That sounds like my counselor in rehab. It's <laughs> 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 pretty much exactly what he, well, when I was in rehab, you know, the, the question comes up, are you a spiritual being having a human experience or are mm. you a human being having a spiritual experience? And I was like, I don't even understand that question, you know, <laughs> like, let alone know how to answer it. And, uh, and that was, that was, you know, I had a similar kind of, um, moment where that was presented to me as mm. kind of a new 
first step in looking at things differently. So that's beautiful. And I think it, you know, a big, a big uh, theme or maybe the central theme of this podcast is, is how to live more authentically, how to find like your, your inner voice or unlock something inside of you that is more true to who you are and to express that more deeply. And Mm. your story is one of trying to divine that in your own self and thinking it's one thing. And then discovering this other thing it's a related thing but it's different than what you thought it was sure and being attuned enough to kind of pay attention to the universe and and have the faith to you know step into that or to follow that thread Mm. yeah and also being in you know a place where you're taking responsibility and you're you know courageous enough to look at all parts of yourself and embrace and love all parts of yourself and that's a, a very key um you know, step in the transformation because we're all, you know, we all have light and dark experiences. Mm. We, you know, you can't get away from that and you can, you shouldn't want to because those dark experiences are the things that can, that catalyze the growth and make you look at yourself. Well, and it's the challenging experiences that shape us. And that really bring out me, we were talking earlier about, you know, it's, it's those moments where you're on your knees that you have an opportunity to, um, expand your devotion and your connection to spirit. And, you know, we were talking with Wuda yesterday and, you know, this is a a primarily health podcast and we're all trying to, you know, get healthier and Mm. and live more authentically. And, you know, um, you know, he was talking about the spirit being an integral part of that whole life. Mm. You know, it's, it's not one without the other. And, no one's more spiritual than someone else, you know, intrinsically. I mean, we're, we all have it and we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm we just can't for because the it's just, there's just like a wide open space. But I want to find, yeah, I want to yes. talk about, uh, this idea of truth, you know, poetry as an art form, um, and, and art being about an expression of truth and some form of universal truth and, and kind of this evolution of poetry. I mean, if you were to tell somebody, oh, I'm, I'm a poet, it's sort of like, well, who's a poet? You know, like that's sort of weird. <laughs> yeah, like you know what of, I mean? Like who does it's that? Definitely. Like, it's you so know, but like yeah, what yeah, you yeah. do is really a modern, you know, incarnation of, you know, what E.E. E. Cummings used to do or whatever mm-hmm. in, a, in a way that is accessible to pop culture and a mainstream audience. And the vernacular that you use to kind of talk about universal truths, but set them in the context of things that are happening now and and the things that we're talking about um, gives it a point of relatability and accessibility for somebody to be able to pay attention and not dismiss it. And so I guess my question is, like, how has the journey been sort of, you know, identifying with yourself as a poet as opposed to an MC? Um, well, for, for the last like five years or something like that, when I kind of started to define myself as mm-hmm. a poet, then I was starting to figure out, well, how can I create a market that is still creating itself? Um, and so I kind of set out to do that. And I think my main goal was to try to break poetry and popular culture. And I still have that as kind of one of the branches on the trees, you know, in, in my forest, but Right. I mean, you were talking about how you thought or everybody thought in the wake of Deaf Poetry Jam, like it's, it was going to blow up in a certain way. And yeah. I, I gather that the next thought was, well, it didn't exactly go in that direction or at least the way maybe everybody thought it might at that time. Well, I mean, I think Deaf Poetry was a really great vehicle for us. 
Um, but I think probably in retrospect, if I was going to have done the show or if I was going to do a different show that maybe had different intentions, I would have taken the five best poets that were around at the time and I was not one of them, trust me. But I would have allowed those poets to have half an hour specials. Because I think if you want to break a genre, you have to make a star. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think to make a star, people have to fall in love with you. Yeah, they have to emotionally connect with who that right. person is and what their story is, right? Yeah. It's just, as opposed to somebody walking on stage, you have no frame of reference. That's Maybe right. too many people, so it's watered down. Right. Is that what you meant? Yeah, and I, you know, it's, it's kind of like if a comedian gets up and just tells a joke and then sits down, well, you might remember the joke because the joke was funny, but you wouldn't remember the comedian. Right. You know, so I think a similar thing kind of happened with that poetry. And by the way, it was hugely successful. So I'm really grateful to it and appreciative mm -hmm. to have been a part of it. Um, and it won a Tony on Broadway. And so it, it did a wow. great job. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think as a whole for it to move forward now, um, you know, uh, we need to find a platform to, to break a star and to get that exposure on a larger level. And there's some people out there who are doing it. Yeah, and, I mean, um, what's going on in that world of trying to you know, grow this movement, this culture, this scene? Uh, there's a guy named Shane Cozen who's really very amazing. I really like his work a lot. Uh, there's a guy named Lemon Anderson who's really great. I'm familiar with him. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, Fiveology um, and Verses and Flow is something that mm -hmm. is, right, is trying that. Yeah, to, yeah. Uh, to kind of rejuvenate it for, for this new generation. And then online. I mean, there's a lot of people online who are like, you know, able to kind of cut out the middleman, like we were talking about before, mm -hmm. and just kind of direct, directly connect to the fans, which is, uh, which is really fantastic. And I've been certainly doing it in my own way. I mean, I haven't paid any attention to my branding visually at any point in my career ever, because that generational thing of where I came from and, and probably laziness and stubbornness too, it just made me want to go, if I make the right thing, they'll come calling, you know? <laughs> so now is the first time that I've started to pay attention and, you know, we've been doing a whole rebranding just to create the right type of conversation with, with the audience that's out there for NQ. Cause I don't really think branding is anything more than purpose. And I'm, I'm certain what my purpose is or, or what my chosen purpose is. I like that is, word so. better anyway. I mean, when you start talking about branding, it starts sounding like you're trying to hoodwink somebody into, yeah. you know, paying attention to something they might ordinarily not. You know, it sounds like a, it's, a, it's an effort to um, kind of, uh, I don't know, confuse people or, mm. um, you know, how do we message this person so that we can get them to do X, Y, and Z? And there's something inherently unauthentic about that. So totally. I think ultimately you're probably better off that you weren't worried about that and you were just focused on trying to create, you know, the best art that you could. Yeah. And I think that brings up the issue of, you know, truth and authenticity and, and your willingness to be vulnerable in the expression of your art. And these are all things that are why your work resonates and will make it timeless and ultimately why you're able to develop an audience <clears throat> and a following that's going to be loyal to you because people know they can tell and especially young people with the internet growing up and they have so many mm. choices about the content that they can expose themselves to and when we're kids it's like oh you got a couple of tv stations you, you get what you can get right and and inauthentic authentic it doesn't matter like you're just starved for right. something to watch or or to listen to and now <laughs> it's not that way and <laughs> and i think people like i think that the point being that i think our antennae for what's 
lacking in, in genuineness or our antennae for what's not authentic is much more finely attuned. And people are in search, searching for things that are, that are real. I know? totally so, agree. Yeah. I think, I think now, uh, more than any other time is, is the mm-hmm. right time for poetry because mm-hmm. I think people are really looking to connect. I think the wonderful thing about the internet is it has connected us on a worldwide level. And I can take a picture with you right now and somebody can see it in Libya. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, it's That's bananas, amazing. but I also think it's made us feel isolated. So there's a, mm-hmm. there is more of a return to people stepping into community more intentionally and, um, trying to find things that, that connect us. And I think poetry is a really beautiful genre that, um, that allows people to share their stories without anything else. Right. And uh, that's why I'm a big, uh, you know, cheerleader for it, not only in my own work, but uh, for other people and also for everyone to just speak their soul, you know, to, to get their thoughts out on a page and, and to kind of talk about stuff that's going on in their heart and have a different perspective on it or, or get the experience of sharing it with people that they love or sharing it with strangers. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the main thing that I think humanity uh, needs to move forward, not that I have um, any right to, to say what my main thing is, but who, who doesn't have a right to say anything? So mm-hmm. I think it's empathy. I think mm-hmm. empathy is... The, the main thing, I think empathy changes how we interact with ourselves and how we interact with the world. And I think it's really easy for us to pass each other on the street and not notice that there's a whole universe going on. That everybody has hopes mm-hmm. and, and dreams and fears and all of the things that we've, we've kind of covered earlier. And so if anything uh, my work attempts to do is just connect and plug people into the moment where they can kind of have a human experience and hopefully it inspires them to uh, share their stories in, in ways that connect mm-hmm. as well. And sharing your story, I mean, for people to share their stories, that's that's a frightening thing for probably most people because mm. it requires a certain level of honesty, you know, and overcoming denial and the courage to express it, whether it's, you know, on a blog that two people read or, you know, a podcast that lots of people listen to or whatever the, the format is, it takes a certain... Uh, courage and willingness to engage in self-awareness and and to express that you know Mm. and and i think that a lot of people are really scared of that Mm. you know i mean would you agree because because vulnerability i think culturally is culturally defined as weakness especially with men yeah i I agree but i even think that like the idea of masculine and feminine is kind of changing and and um and the idea of weakness should change as well. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of strength in being able to be vulnerable, but mm-hmm. not be vulnerable from a weak place. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can really stand up and say, this is what's gone on with me, this is what is going on with me, this is what I want for myself in the future, uh, and you do that from a place of strength, I, I think that people are drawn to that. Yeah, um, well, because it's they can see the honesty in it and, and they understand and respect that it takes courage to do that. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe, so maybe they want to do it themselves. And so that they can see an example of that and, and they're attracted to it because secretly that's really what they, they want to get out of their systems. And mm-hmm. so, I don't know. I love doing workshops and stuff. Cause I like when people stand up 
you know, it's, it's great to do it with kids, but it's also great to do it with adults. You know, mm -hmm. I like getting like adults together and like, it's probably easier with kids cause they don't have all the, you know, stuff that's preventing them from just expressing, you know, that I mean, yeah. like adults, I'd be terrified to do what you do. I mean, that sounds like the most frightening, th like I can do certain things, but like to do what you do, that absolutely would be, that would be very hard for me to like overcome my mask or whatever to get mm -hmm. up and, and, and be vulnerable on stage or something like that. Then that's why we got to do yeah, it. We gotta <laughs> yeah, get, we got to yeah. get you in the workshop. All right. No, but I think there's another, there's another element, um, when that I think is very, um, connecting and very healing for humanity. And it's when someone shows their humanity in a very honest way, you know, and admits that, you know, they have faults or they're not, you know, they're not perfect or they have fears or, you know, or anger or sadness. And it, for me, it's, it's a feeling that I can feel and it's kind of a relief. Mm. It feels like a relief, like, oh, I can, I can easily sit down next to this person because, um, they've been gracious enough to show their humanity. Mm. When you, uh, watch other people do what you do. I mean, what is your divining rod between what is great spoken word or great poetry and something that isn't? You know, the, uh, for me, I don't really pay attention to the, to the style or the mastery. It's just about the honesty for me. Mm -hmm. And if somebody brings me into their, their world and allows me to connect in that way that you were just talking about, then I'm super stoked. I mean, I, and, and that's why I always negotiate my own style and, and just check in with myself of where I'm coming from because there's a lot of people I've seen who are great, but they don't resonate like with me. Like technically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. like basically like, like hearing like a singer and you know, they have the most amazing voice and you're like, oh, they have such an amazing mm -hmm. voice, but you don't feel them. Mm -hmm. And then hearing somebody else who doesn't have the ability you know, like that, but the tone that they have, the soul that they sing through, you know, you're just totally mm -hmm. locked in right away. So that's kind of what I look for as right. well in poetry. Your success in this medium has kind of brought you back to music, right? Like you've been co-writing with some amazing artists and having success in that in that field not yeah. necessarily as an MC, but working with some pretty cool people right like yeah so tell talk us talk us through a little bit of that well i ended up getting a uh a publishing deal with a company called rock mafia who's mm -hmm. uh their producers uh out of los angeles they're one of the top pop teams around which is interesting because i never listened to pop music before i arrived but i think uh they were looking to add a little bit of edge um, on the lyrical side and I was looking to uh, have a home to create in and uh, have a way to make money while I was trying to figure out how to break mm -hmm. spoken word um, and it was a really good combination and it's been a really great partnership ever since so um, I was able to like do co-writes on uh, Selena Gomez and Miley Cyrus mm -hmm. and and artists like that who uh, I developed my own friendships with and and um, and then have moved on to working with Aloe Black, who's a great friend of mine. 
Um, so we, we did a song for his new album and um, there's some other stuff that I can't quite quite talk about uh, yet. Not but, public but yet. But there's some, there's some good stuff right around the corner on that level. And, um, and yeah, I kind of have been able to set myself up in a, in a really good way where now I can kind of like settle back and look around and decide what I want to create for myself and, and how I want to create and, and who I want to create with. I had a really, you know, in quotation marks, big meeting last week. And I remember if I was 20 or something like that, if I would have gone in on a meeting like this, I mm-hmm. would have been so... Uh, Fronting. Fronting and also just agenda oriented, just like trying to do something. And I wasn't trying to do anything. You know, for, for me, it's like, I know what I want to create. And I also want to make sure that anybody that I work with uh, I respect and uh, want to have a relationship with. So it's just kind of coming in and vibing and... And having that trust that if it works out, it was supposed to. And if it doesn't, it wasn't, it wasn't supposed to happen. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And that's, I mean, from all of that, I wound up, you know, from being a, a battle MC at 13 years old, you know, to, to being, you know, the, the first poet to work with Cirque du Soleil. I mean, mm-hmm. I want to hear about that. I never would have imagined that type of a, a transition you know, when I, when I was a kid, but you kind of have to let go of what you, what you want it to be to find what it is to then figure out what it can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's sur- in, in certain respects, that's surrender. You have to let go of the results, be tuned in enough to be able to read the signs, pay attention to what's going on and, and allow it to lead you so that your ego isn't making the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And I just know from my own experience, I mean, I love that story about the meeting I relate to that completely because I've been in places in my life where I was very agenda oriented or very ego fueled. And I'd go, I'd get the opportunity to have a meeting where I could get something out of it and just being holding on so tight to wanting a certain outcome and basically never getting it, you know, it was never going to (laughs) work. And now to be in a place where I'm really happy doing what I'm doing, I'm very fulfilled and I have all these different outlets And when I go into a meeting, uh, it doesn't matter to me. I'm just going to share, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And like, let me hear about what you're doing. We'll see if this is a fit. Even if I can, you know, in my mind, I can see, well, if this works out, this could lead to this and this and this, but, but really detaching from that and just, and, and understanding and actually really believing in my core, like, well, you know, the result of this is, is going to work out the way, however it's supposed to, and being okay with it either way. There's a certain freedom in that. There is, it's huge. And I think when you're in that place, you end up getting the thing that you want anyway. I mean, because the energy is completely different. I yeah. think you end up getting more. Yeah. yeah. More yeah. than you ever could dream, more yeah. than you ever could imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like going on a date, too. It's the same thing. I mean, right. you, can, you can attribute it to that, too. You know, you go on a date and you like want something, like there's some sort of something rather than just Yeah, and you're projecting a certain <laughs> energy on the other person, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's interesting. Um, all right, man. So I got to hear what it was like to get up on stage at Cirque du Soleil. Like that was just a, like two weeks ago it or was, something, right? Yeah, yeah it was. Um, so how did that happen? And what, what, what was that about? Well, last year uh, they did uh, this um, big show that's called One Night for One Drop. It's uh, like a nonprofit that brings water to people who don't have access around mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. And um, it's uh, Guise who runs Cirque du Soleil. It's his nonprofit. And... Um, it's really an amazing organization. 
And so in their first year that they did this big show, they did it at the O stage at the Bellagio, and uh, they asked me if I would write a piece for it. And so I did, and I kind of came into that situation and, you know, so much stimulus before, so much stimulus after, and then kind of bringing it in, you know, and, and having four minutes of, of me kind of speaking with waves in the background. And it was mm. a very, very unique situation. And, um, and I loved it, and it went so well that they asked me to come back this year. So we did it at the Mandalay Bay, the one theater for, for MJ. Mm-hmm. And um, it, was, it was fantastic. So they asked me to uh, basically sum up the show this year. So I, I come up and I do the piece, and uh, afterwards I go down on an elevator, and then the four tenors come out and sing hallelujah. I mean, it was really... Oh, wow. <laughs> it, was absolutely, it was absolutely crazy. And so they filmed it with... Uh, you know, uh, the top quality that, that you could possibly do something like that. And, mm-hmm. and there are rumors that I can't, can't discuss. Mm-hmm. Right. They're doing of, some of documentary words. or something like that. Or yeah. Either. They're going to do something right. with it. And, and did you write a piece specifically for that event? Or I did. You did yeah. 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 Last year, the piece, I liked the piece that I did last year. Um, but it was specific to, uh, water, you know, and, kind of humanity and where we are and where we're going. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so this year I wanted to make sure that I didn't do the same piece because it wouldn't be interesting or challenging to me or the audience. And so I tried to do something that was more, uh, I would say, uh, not vague and ambiguous, but just a broader scale so that I wasn't doing specifics that would only let the piece live Mm -hmm. in that environment. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then next year, uh, if, if we do it again, which I imagine that we will, I'll, I'll probably go to one of the places that they're creating infrastructure. And uh, I'd like to tell a story. Because that's, I think if you, if you continue to go back to the same thing in anything in life, you have to move the mirror in mm-hmm. some Well, you have to have fashion. new experiences that inform the, the art, the message that you're trying to convey, right? Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but it was exciting, man. And it's exciting to work with athletes, you know, that, that do death defying things on a a moment to moment basis. It's extraordinary what those guys do. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, did I read, did did you like share a stage with Barack Obama too? I mean, you've been on stage with pretty cool people like Red Chili Peppers and like, so, I mean, how, how do these things come about? I mean, what happened? When were you with the president? Well, it was before he was the president. So it was when Howard Dean was running. Ah, and uh, he was speaking, uh, Hillary Clinton was speaking, Howard Dean was there, uh, and I went up and did a political poem. There was maybe 4,000 people there. Wow. But I'm making like that up, thing. so I really don't yeah. know how many people were there. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm like, right. there's we, we 5 hold, million we, people. <laughs> yeah. We won't hold you to it. Yeah. Um, what's funny is... A lot of people. There if, were a lot of people there. There was a lot of people there. And I'll tell you what, if, if camera phones were... Uh, like available back then uh-huh. it would have blown up on the internet it was a very it was a very special special mm-hmm. moment so I went up on stage and I did this this piece and I finished and I got off stage and Howard Dean grabs my hand and he comes back out he puts my hand up and he says what about NQ for president? <laughs> and the whole place just goes crazy. You know it that would like, have been like your gif on the internet forever. Uh, I mean yeah. crazy right? Yeah. So I walk off stage. Hillary is there. She says, I liked your work. I said, thank you. I shook her hand. I walk over. Barack Obama is there. And he says, I was very moved by your piece. 
we shake hands and I I knew of him but I didn't really know mm-hmm. uh, of him yet and um, and the only thing that I can say is and I remember actually having this thought without any real context to the thought is I remember thinking that he was one of the most powerful people I had been around that his energy was so connected that I felt like I was the only person in the universe. And I really mm-hmm. did not have any context to feeling that way. Mm-hmm. And yet I was not in the place, you know, where uh, I would have anything other than just that thought and mm-hmm. then let that thought go. So then he says, we stay, we stay in contact. And oh, he, he gives says me, that to you? He gives me his card. Uh-huh. And I lost his card. Oh, no. <laughs> I swear to God. I didn't even... I was like, oh, cool, like yeah, a car. Dude, I'll see you around. Yeah, so this was the, like the election cycle before he ran for that's president right. the first time, right? That's so, right. Yeah, <laughs> that's unbelievable. But there is something very unique about certain individuals. I mean, you hear, uh, growing up in D.C. and being around politicians, I mean, you hear uh, that about Bill Clinton, that he has mm. this facility, this talent for when he's in a conversation with somebody, everything else goes away and he's so focused and he's he has such a facility for making the other person feel like they're the only person that counts in the world and that's a certain gift or a talent Mm. um and you know certain people put out certain energies you know and it's it's interesting that you were able to pick up on that like years before you know what happened happened yeah i had heard that too and i don't know if i had heard that beforehand or or since but it was very apparent to me Mm -hmm. It was, I've really never, in fact, if I, if yeah, I like really think about places. it, you know, but I didn't, yes, but I didn't even think that specifically. I just remember having that read that download of like, wow, like this guy's really like something about this person. Mm-hmm. And I think if I'm, if I'm being honest with myself, I don't know that I ever met anyone else that had such a powerful energy. I think it's maybe easy for me to say that in retrospect based on circumstances, but, um, that was, that was my experience. That's and yet I still lost his card. You did. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Having that, knowing like I just met this guy who's so powerful and then not having the wherewithal. Yeah, well, that, that tells you where my mind was at. You didn't have your shit of, together. Yeah, I was just like, whatever, yeah. I'm fucking moving. Yeah. And like, whatever I was thinking, uh-huh. you know. That's funny. Yeah. Um, we're running out of time because I know you got to get back to the studio. But there's a couple things I want to do before I let you go. And sure. First, the first thing is kind of going back to... A, you know, a theme of this podcast is trying to, um, convey some, some tools or some inspiration for people that feel stuck in their life. Like you're somebody who's been able to access a certain truth about yourself to embrace a passion and develop a life around your passion. And that's something that I think is elusive for a lot of people. Mm. They feel stuck in their lives or, or they just can't, Maybe they don't know themselves well enough to even know what that thing is. Yeah. Um, so how do you begin to, you know, what is what is something you could say that, that would be helpful to somebody who's struggling with these ideas? Um, I would say you're not alone, you know, um, that everyone has been there. And personally, I've certainly been there. Mm-hmm. Um and I would say that if you want to change something in your life, you have to change something in your life. And you have to find a way to move the mirror. So, you know, even if you don't know how to change the specific thing that you want to change, you have to change something else mm-hmm. that's um, impactful enough 
to where your perspective shifts. And if your perspective shifts in any way, then it shifts in every way. And then maybe you'll start to see some things differently. Mm-hmm. I would say that's one. The other thing is doing things that scare you, creating things that scare you um, as experiences. Because like personally, for a very long time, uh, I only really stayed doing the shit I was good at because I didn't like the feeling of not being good at other things. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't put myself in fearful or challenging situations. And I would think that because I got on stage and performed in front of all these people and said all of these things, that I was actually being courageous when in reality that had become second nature for me in the way that I was doing it. And if I wanted to progress in that department of my life, I needed to do other things that scared me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and um, be in those situations where that fear or the fear of failure or the feel of fear of doing something awkward or something like that becomes fun. And um, so that's another thing, I think, embracing things that, right. that scare you. I mean, in terms of making it fun, that that requires taking the self-judgment out of it. Like if you fail, like who cares? Let's just let's make it fun. Take mm. that take that that aspect of the equation out of the equation and then allow yourself to fail, like give yourself that permission. Exactly. And it makes it easier to walk through that, that fear, I think. Exactly. And if, if you wanted specifics, I mean, you know, I don't know, take a hula hoop class. I mean, just something mm-hmm. stupid, stupid that, right. that not, not that hula hooping is to stupid. Begin, I'm just saying, to start you know, creating like, a habit around doing these things, start with something small. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and putting yourself out there in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just seeing how it feels, you know, or, or write a poem. Write a poem. Become a poet. Yeah. Right. Become a, everybody's a poet. <laughs> Everybody. Everybody's is, a poet. Uh, what is it like when you go to prisons and you, you try to teach there? You know, I only went twice. Uh, and um, I forget the place that I went to actually now, but um, I went twice. And it was, uh, it was actually two of the best uh, experiences that I've had just because uh, the gratitude of the guys that I was able to be with uh, mm-hmm. during those shows was really apparent and they were very connected. And, you know, I got up and I did a piece called God Doesn't Make Mistakes, you know, to a guy, guys who were sitting in prison, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, what that moment was, you know, you could, you could feel it in the room, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and that's the whole thing is it even the thing that you're talking about earlier of, of how do people find something for themselves? I think it really does start with taking responsibility for everything that you have ever experienced in your life, which is a very difficult thing to do. It was very difficult for me and it continues to be a choice that I make on a moment to moment basis. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I believe that I've co-created every single thing that I'm experiencing and I believe that I'm doing it to evolve and to raise my vibrational level and to share my story and to connect with people and to have that soul interaction. And so all of the things that I look at in my life is the tragedies or the pain, all of those things are really the things that we talked about before that I can use to move forward, but I have to take responsibility for them mm-hmm. first in order for me to own them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise they have power over me in a way that 
uh, continues to show up in my day-to-day interactions as a man and ultimately as an artist. Right. That's true. And by taking responsibility, then you are no longer a victim. Yeah. And you can rise out of that. And I completely share that same experience. Definitely. Yeah. So whatever it is you're, you're going through, you know, what do you want to do now? Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> you know? good. Well, now that's a good, yeah, that's a good, uh, that's a beautiful place to end it, I think. But I'm, I'm hoping that you'll take us out with another poem. And I really loved, you don't have to do this one if you don't want to, but the, the poem that you delivered when we were up at Summit um, before that fi- the final dinner in the big house. Do you mm. remember that one? You remember um, which one you did? I think it was a world peace. Poem. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think I'm gonna hold that one okay. because no problem. I don't know it yet well enough to, right. to share it the way that I want. It's a pretty. To that moment. was. A, it's a pretty it's a new deep, one, right? Very, I think, I think that was the first one. time that you had done it, or one of the earlier. It was the first time I had done it uh, in a live setting, and I haven't done it since then. Okay. And uh, and since I was doing the Cirque thing. You know, I haven't spent any time focusing on it. And it's a five and a half minute piece. Yeah, it's long. <laughs> and the other, the other thing about the piece is it's, it's like, it's interesting. Like, I was, I was where I needed to be to write it, but I'm still stepping into who I need to be to say it. Mm. Because it's a very, it's a very deep piece. Very deep, mm. yeah. And, um, and so I'm kind of, uh, still working on myself to be All able right, to man. deliver it in the way that I need deliver to. Deliver the one you want to deliver. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is a true story. This one time I saw a dude who worked for Vons collecting stacks of shopping carts in the parking lot with only one arm. Now I should say that on this particular day, I had been feeling down about myself. Depressed about some stupid shit. Complaining in my head that I'm not as far along as I would like to be. That life is victimizing me. And mind you, I was buying food at the time. To put into my car, to put into my house, to put into my fridge, to put into my mouth. And that's when I saw him. Ten carts deep. Pushing them with one arm down the street whistling. I swear he was whistling. Do you know how happy I would have to be to spontaneously pucker up my lips like I was about to blow a kiss then open up a bit and push some air from my esophagus into a higher pitch? Shit, really fucking happy. I mean, totally ecstatic. I would have had to have just had a three-way with Scarlett Johansson and Rachel McAdams where both of them had orgasms as they screamed out, NQ is the best we've ever had. Then at that point, I would whistle. I mean, at that point, I'd probably dance around a little. Anyway, back to this dude. First thought I had, I'll admit, was a bit rude, but hear me out before you boo. See, I was confused. Because if I was in his shoes and I had to choose a job, this would not be the job I'd choose. And I know that sounds hardcore, but honestly, this is the one job that I would want two arms for. Now, that being said, this dude was a motherfucking gangster. The arm he had looked like it was strong enough to be the anchor on an oil tanker. 
Like he could have been Arnold Schwarzenegger's trainer back when he was starring in The Terminators and it woke me up like the scent from a cup of Sanka. So I went home and wrote this poem as an ode to thank him. See, it really got me thinking about my situation. Why the fuck am I complaining? This world is full of people maintaining. No matter who you are or where you're from, we all have to wake up every day and accept the fact that we don't know where we'll go or why we've come. And that can cause confusion. So we distract ourselves with movies and with music and focus on amusement instead of self-improvement, a mutually agreed upon collective delusion. With this much stimulus and this little understanding, it's no wonder we don't all just completely fucking lose it. Genius and insanity are closer than they seem. Your perspective is the difference between your nightmares and your dreams. Because if everything is energy, and my body is a vessel, then my struggle is unique and beautiful. But that doesn't make it special. And this motherfucker had the balls to up and whistle (laughs) with a fistful of shopping carts that he guided like a missile. And it blew me away like a sneeze into a tissue that someone who was seemingly so many issues could be unequivocally so blissful while someone who's as lucky as I am could be self-creating problems by the listful. Well, I guess that's my process. But when it gets indulgent, it can border on obnoxious, insulting, and even repulsive. So from this point on, right now, if my thoughts start thinking that they're important or my feelings start feeling too distorted, I'm going to sort them into categories to see if I can change them. If I can, I'll simply make the moves to rearrange them. If I can't, I'll acknowledge them, but won't engage them. Look them square into their eyes, smile while I face them and Thanks, man. That was awesome. Beautiful. Thanks for coming by, man. Of course, man. Thank you for having me. Inspiring. Absolutely. The world is a much better place for having you in it. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. All right. So if uh, people want to connect with you, it's in dash Q. Yeah, it's in question. So that's what it stands for. I was going to ask you that and I just got caught up in the conversation. That's it. In dash Q in question. That's what it stands for. So in Q.com and then at in Q life on Twitter. That's it. And Instagram, right? Perfect. Those are the places. That's it. What's coming up, man? Oh, you're going to Israel. Going to Israel. What are you doing tomorrow? What's going on there? Uh, There's an amazing trip that's, uh, that's being organized by a friend of ours and some of the summit community. And so, uh, we're just, we're going. It's a bunch of artists, a bunch of tech people. And uh, we have this kind of extensive tour. And I've never been before. And I'm very, very excited mm. to to experience it. Um, you know, traveling always, always lifts the veil, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, that's, that's, that's where I'm at. There's a lot of stuff coming up, but I'm, I'm happy. 
happy in this moment and happy to be going there tomorrow. Very cool. You know? But if you if people want to find out where you're performing next, it's on your website. Yeah, I'm going to do something at 41 Ocean uh, when I get back, I think sometime in, in April or something like mm-hmm. that. I think it's April 26th. So, you know, but they can go and get all the information on the website for sure. Right. All right, man. Thanks, brother. Much love. All right. Peace. Plants. Namaste. All right, everybody. That's our show. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that helped expand your horizons a little bit. I hope that helped you reimagine your truth. Uh, I dig that guy, man. I think I'm going to have him back on. He's awesome. And uh, I'm a better person for having him in my life. Um, I hope you feel the same. So before we close it out, a couple quick announcements. I wanted to bring you up to speed on a couple exciting things. The first thing is uh, I've got an app coming soon, an iOS mobile app for the podcast. And uh, we've been testing it out. We've been developing it for a while. And uh, it's pretty close to launch and i'm really excited about it it'll it'll be the kind of thing you can put on your ipad or your iphone uh it's not android compatible we're just doing ios right now uh so for those of you with an android phone uh, we'll look into developing something like that for later but for now just version one uh we're launching ios um and it's going to be the easiest way for you to get all the podcasts on your ios device it's great for you know a lot of people all the time they're like I'd listen to your podcast, but you know, how do I find it or how do I get it? Which is, you know, kind of remarkable and amazing to me. It's so simple, but yet uh, it seems to elude a lot of people. And this is going to be an easy way for those people. They can just get, you know, download the app off the app store, and they don't have to worry about iTunes or you know how to find it or whatever. It'll just be at their fingertips. So a great way to share the show with friends who maybe are unfamiliar with the world of podcasting. And the other great thing is uh, it's going to help us build this community. It's going to help us grow the plant power revolution. And uh, it is going to have the entire catalog of podcasts on it, all the way back to episode one. Uh, if you get the show off iTunes, you know that you can only get the most recent 50, and now we're up to 81. So that's 30 odd episodes uh, that are inaccessible unless you delve deep you know, down into the bowels <laughs> of my website to find it. And uh, this is going to be a way for you to easily access all the episodes all the way back to uh, our rough and tumble beginnings. Um, That's something we're going to offer to the early adopters of the app. Of course, it's going to be free. The app will be totally free. Eventually, we'll do later iterations and versions. We're going to build out uh, a premium uh, functionality to it where you can upgrade the app to access certain certain things that are, you know, premium content. And eventually, we're not going to have the entire catalog available for free. uh, But for early adopters, that's what what you're going to be able to get, which is pretty cool. Um, What else about it can I say? Uh, It's the bomb. (laughs) It's really cool. And we'll have it ready soon. We've got to get it through the whole App Store approval process and all of that. And I don't know how long that takes. It might take a little while. But I just wanted to let you guys know, uh, make you aware that this is in the works and coming soon. And, of course, I'll make an announcement when it is completely available. But we are close. The second thing is we have a new nutritional supplement product that's going to be launching very soon. It's called Ion. It is an electrolyte capsule supplement for the athletes out there. It's a lot like uh, Salt Stick, if you're familiar with that. You've heard me talk about that product on the show before. Um, 
it has uh, a lot of similarities with that, but we've made a couple tweaks to that formula. And in our opinion, it is, uh, it is improved on that product. Um, I'll fill you in more on the details of that uh, on the eve of launching it. Um, but we've got it all in stock. We've just got to build out the functionality on the website so that we can make it available and offer it to you guys. But really excited about that. I've been testing it out on my rides and my runs, and, and it really works well. And as you know, as an athlete, particularly an endurance athlete, you got to keep your electrolytes in check. And the way that most athletes do that is they suck on the Gatorade or they get these sugary drinks. And we're taking the electrolyte aspect out of uh, – away from that. So it's just getting you what you need, the electrolytes without all the additives, without all the sugar, without all the artificial coloring and sweeteners and all that kind of stuff. Um, really proud of it. It's been a long time in the works and uh, we're getting ready to launch that. So stay tuned for more information about that as we get close. That's it. I uh, want to support the show. Best way to do that, just tell a friend. Once we got the app going, you can share the app too. Um, we love it. This is a word of mouth thing. It's a grassroots thing. It's grown very organically over time. We're really proud of that. So yeah, that's the best way to do it, just uh, to share. And you know what's really great and what I love is when uh, people share the podcast on Instagram. I absolutely love it when I get tagged on a photo of somebody out on a run, uh, you know, with some kind of screen grab of the podcast or a picture of them out exercising, saying that they're listening to the podcast. So I totally dig that. Uh, keep it up, you guys. And, and uh, yeah, that's a great way to share it too, visually with your friends. Um, Amazon Banner Ad, of course, uh, we have an affiliate relationship with Amazon. Uh, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, just click through the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com or bookmark it on your browser. That way, when you buy something on Amazon, it will not cost you a cent extra, but Amazon kicks us some loose commission change. And that really pays our bills here. And it allows me to pay Tyler, my son, to produce the show. He's the one who does all the music and puts the whole show together and gets it up on on iTunes. And uh, you are rewarding young entrepreneurship. Uh, when you use the Amazon banner ad. So that helps you feel good about it too. And we, we really appreciate it. People have been doing that and I dig it. So thank you. Uh, you can donate to the podcast too, uh, one-time basis, or you can do it on a weekly or monthly basis. Thank you to all the people that are going that extra mile to support us in that way. We just added Bitcoin functionality for all you Bitcoin fanatics out there. If you're into Bitcoin, now you can uh, give us a tip. Uh, through the donate button on the richroll.com homepage. And uh, that's pretty cool too. We're in the modern era with that. All right, that's it, you guys. Uh, Want to learn more about getting plant-based, the ultimate guide to plant-based nutrition, our course at mindbodygreen.com. Julie and I take you through three and a half hours of streaming online video content, everything you need to get more plants into your life. We're really proud of that. So you can check that out. And of course, for all your plant power provisions, go to richroll.com. We got t-shirts, we got beanies, we got trucker hats, we have new stuff coming up. We've got a cycling kit that we're working on that we're pretty excited about and all kinds of new designs and apparel and of course our nutritional supplement product line, our GICE cookbook, our downloadable meditation program, uh, our B12, blah, 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 all that good stuff. You guys know that. So go there for all of that. And uh, that's it. You guys follow me on Twitter at, at Rich Roll, on Instagram at Rich Roll, Facebook, all that good stuff. And I will catch you guys next week. Thank you so much. I know there are so many demands on your eyeballs and your ears 
for all of the content that is available to you. So it means so much that you would spend a couple hours with me each week uh, listening to this podcast, and I greatly appreciate it. It motivates me to keep the quality high and to continue on this mission. It's been incredibly rewarding for me, and I hope for you as well. So have a great week, everybody. Uh, Reimagine yourself. Take things to the new level and uh, blow the glass ceiling on your possibilities. And in the words of Summit, Make no small plans. We'll catch you next week. Peace. Plants.